production of Pioneer Utility Resources. Story Connect, helping communicators discover ideas to shape their stories and connect with their customers. What are some tips for communicators taking that scary step into grant writing? That's what we'll be talking about on this episode of Story Connect Podcast. My name is Andy Johns, your host with Pioneer Utility Resources, and I'm joined on this episode by Will O'Donnell, who is the Broadband and Communications Director for Jefferson County PUD, way up in the uh, the northwest corner of Washington. Uh, Will, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. It's Port Townsend where y'all are, correct? Port, is that right? Port Townsend is our yeah central and only township. Okay, there you go. Well, Will has uh, was nice enough to be willing to uh, to join me on this episode. We were talking about some of uh, some of what he's been doing. His role has changed a little bit. Uh, we we're out at the Nick conference uh, out there in Anchorage. Um, actually, got to hike on a glacier with Will out there, which was pretty cool. I don't get to say that about most people. Um, so, um, but uh, we were talking about there out there about the grant writing um, roles that that uh, you know you had to take uh, take. A little bit of, and there are obviously a lot of grant opportunities out there right now. So I guess let's talk first just a little bit about how your role has changed, um, Will, and and what some of the new skills that you've had to pick up along uh, along the way. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I started at our utility about five years ago. I had no utility experience coming in. I had worked as an executive director for a couple of nonprofits. And then before that, I had run, started my own businesses. Um, so I'd always done a lot of communications, done a lot of marketing, um, all those kind of things. I was really excited. Uh, our community uh, did a whole campaign to try to take back uh, the power, make take the power public, to take the electric grid public um, from the private company that owned it. Uh, in the early 2000s, the private company that owned our local power grid had outsourced all the employees, laid everybody off in the territory, and then had contractors moving in and just had remote customer service and interesting outage response. Um, uh, just every every aspect of trying to deal with the company performance went down, and people noticed and were not happy. And a group of citizens. Uh, saw in the Washington state law that you can actually condemn the assets, uh, a public utility district uh, in, in the form in the old Grange uh, rules that were passed in 1938 during uh, works project administration and all that. That's how a lot of our local public utilities got started in the electric business and co-ops and things like that. Our, our public utility was formed at that time to be an electric utility, but never, never happened. In fact, we weren't even a water utility until 1981, we were just a Jefferson County PUD number one on the books, but not uh, operating anything until 1981. And then, so as, and that's a good story to tell, certainly. Um, then along the way, um, in addition to electricity, um, broadband uh, or internet service became a thing as well. So how, how recently did y'all um, make that, that jump? And then uh, with that, your, your role changed as well. So fast forward to 2017, and yeah. um, I was working in Seattle, but my kids were in Port Townsend, and I was spending four days a week in Seattle, three days a week in Port Townsend. It's about a two-hour commute, uh, and I was getting pretty exhausted. And it was, I had uh, always been, I've always spent a lot of time with my kids. I love my kids. Uh, I'm, I'm a hands-on 
dad and I didn't want to be anything else. Uh, so this job came open. It was their first dedicated communications position. I had a lot of, of opinions on how they could do their communications better. Um, and uh, I told them so in the interview. They hired me and uh, we were off to the races. And our first challenge out the door was uh, convincing the the uh, public to accept uh, smart meters. And that went over like a lead balloon. Uh, uh, yeah. And so it was very interesting. All the planning and all of the uh, process had already been started. The contract had been signed to do, um, to do the install and buy the meters. And about a month after I uh, started, not even a month, just the three weeks after I started, we had like a pre-scheduled town hall meeting. 75 people came and they uh, cried, shouted, accused us of um, all kinds of things and effectively stopped the smart meter installation. Well, mm. they didn't stop it. They, we, we debated it for the next six months and just St about stalled it else. for sure. They stalled yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my intro into the PUD. Um, and it was interesting, you know, I, a lot of those folks were, that were really opposed to the smart meters were folks I knew, folks that were involved in the farmer's market that shopped at our local food co-op where I'd spent a lot of time. Um, so it was, an in, I was hoping to make more inroads and I really was not able to, it was an interesting time to join in and kind of fall on my face right out the gate. And it taught me an interesting lesson, and we'll go back to that with broadband, is just that you got to have um, more consensus and resolve in your organization um, to take on any kind of big initiative like that. So with broadband, how that relates is we, you know, we were in our county, there's just such terrible internet access. We've got mountains and hills and, and, lot, and you know, practically fjords of long saltwater valleys coming up. So it's no, it's not easy to move wires around. And sure. most folks in our county are on DSL. A lot of the DSL systems were tapped out. Internet's becoming more popular. People are like, why can't we get decent internet? And they also usually can't get cell service in these places where they can't get even decent uh, DSL where they're barely getting a kilo or barely getting a megabyte down uh, and not up. So that people were coming to us. Some of our commissioners or elected officials were gung-ho. Others were, we were pretty much, we have three elected officials at that time. One was against, one was passionately for, and one was not really that interested either way. Hmm. So what I wanted to do, because it was something that was coming up so much, is I looked around and found a strategic planning grant through the Washington State Department of Commerce. We applied for it. That way, we would just try to have a little process where we meet with the community and try to come to some consensus on where we wanted to go with our broadband plan. We obviously had 20 miles of fiber. We were adding to that for our own SCADA system for the utility. Um, how could we make it so it was feasible for us to add more customers and to engage um, local ISPs to partner with us? Um, sure. That was the other struggle for us is we didn't have many local ISPs and the ones we had weren't interested in uh, spending a lot of money to grow in the way that would be necessary um, to reach those rural customers. Hmm. So we went and about, like, go ahead. And like you said, I, I know there's sort of expensive builds and, you know, when you're talking about the topography and, and natural barriers y'all have out there, um, I'm sure that 
the uh, when you started looking at feasibility, um, there's a reason why there why there wasn't a lot of availability out there is because it's hard work. Yeah, I mean, I I was always under the impression that we're the local utility. We serve the people. If they have this need, that's a utility need that we're by law um, allowed to provide. That we should we should provide it. But after seven months of doing a strategic plan, um, the results were we don't know what to do. Um, mm. There was clearly demand, but it was unclear if. Um, it would pay for itself. And it was unclear if we could even under the open access model, get ISPs to come. I was cold calling them, asking them what it would take. How do we partner with them? And I would get some tepid response of, yeah, maybe we should meet in the future and nothing would come of it. Um, Mm. So we ended up that with, with um, some options, but they weren't super, it wasn't a clear green light. It was a it was a it was a yellow light in the fog, which you know maybe for some folks would be would be the reason to say okay let's just pause this. Uh, we were able to get a second strategic planning grant, and we really went at the business planning side of it to really look at the numbers in that second strategic planning grant from the Washington State Department of Commerce. Um, and we wanted to do it as, as I want to say as yeah as harsh as possible to really look at it. What would it take? Uh, what were all the different ways that we would lose money and what were the few ways that we might break even? So mm-hmm. we had about 20 different ways that we would lose money and two options for making it break even or better. And the two options were um, we get retail authority, which the Washington State didn't allow PUDs to have retail authority to actually provide the internet service at the time. Municipalities could do it, but PUDs could not. Co-ops could do it, PUDs could not. And then we needed to have it be largely grant funded. So COVID comes along and all of a sudden the government releases the funds. And then Washington state legislature changes the law to allow PUDs to be retail ISPs. Sure. So we're giving the flashing right. Yeah. All across the country, you know, governments were loosening up everything. And and when that demand was there and everybody was, was, you know, virtual school and working from home and there was that need for it, that's, uh, one positive to come out of all that is there were a lot of, of laws like that, that that were dropped or changed or, or you know, regulations made easier um, for folks like yourself to make it happen. Yeah. And it just made it clear during the middle of our study that, oh, you know, that all of a sudden half of our employees were working home from home, more than half. Um, mm-hmm. All of our board meetings were remote and they were very difficult because people had terrible connections. And then the school issues, obviously, we had so many kids who couldn't access the internet. We were building the drive-in hotspots around our county, um, which was a great effort and it was a statewide effort and we were glad to be a part of it. But it's just something sad about kids having to drive somewhere and do their homework in a car in a parking lot. Um, you know, it, to me, it just felt like we, we had to do more. I think they were a little surprised when we when we really have been so aggressive about going after all of these grants and then we started getting all of them and now it's, Oh my God, we're, we're really in the business. We have to do that. And we haven't started building yet. Um, that happens after the new year. So that's going to be each step is a bigger challenge. You know, be careful, be careful what you wish for writing True. all these grants has been among the hardest thing I've ever done. And now I've got to help, uh, uh, oversee construction and get the whole business off the ground. So it's going to be harder still, but I am yeah. excited about the challenge. And so is our utility. Sure. 
one of the things that that puts those odds more in your favor, as you said, is some of those grants. You know, that's what they're out there to do is to help um, help make it work. Um, so, which kind of grants? You mentioned the um, uh, the uh, grants about the strategic planning uh, that you got early on. Which kind of grants have y'all um, applied for and um, and and gotten um, here last last few months? Yeah, so we were we were prepping to do an application to the uh, NTIA for their broadband. Uh, it was the BIP program. I can't remember what mm-hmm. the acronym stands for. Infrastructure project. Um, and uh, our state then stepped in, and they became the lead applicant. And we were a sub applicant. We received that award, um, and then we had another round of state grants that was uh, administered by with uh, ARPA funding. We received that those grants. Um, we have a local public works board. We got two grants from them, one, one a million dollars to connect a very small rural area and another two million to build fiber to our business district. Uh, that one is a loan, but it's 0.4% interest over 30 years. So it's pretty hard to beat. Uh, um, yeah. And unbelievably, we were the only ones in the state to apply. Really? Just our utility. Nobody else. No other municipalities. I mean, I couldn't re- believe it when I read the uh, initial um, uh, announcement of the grant. They had they had uh, the definition of unserved for a business area was um, one gigabyte down and 50 megabytes up. In Jefferson County, nobody provides that. We have sort of one gigabyte down from our local cable companies, but they don't provide 50 megabytes up. And in fact, I wrote them to you know inform them we were going to apply so that they could challenge if they wanted to. And they wrote me a letter saying, we serve that area. Um, we provide one gigabyte down and 20 megabytes up. We consider that area served. And it's <laughs> like, thank you very much. You just proved my case for me. So Yeah, because yeah. uh, 30, 30 up was the threshold, right? 50 up. 50 up, okay. 50 so, up, yeah. which they can't do. Yeah, They can't do. Yeah. Interesting. So we got so, that. And so we'll be building to our local businesses as well. Which some folks are a little upset about because the, you know, the first goal was to get the unserved customers. Why are you also focusing on the business customers? Well, our business customers can't get better internet. I mean, they, they want to have symmetrical gigabyte in, gigabit internet. They can't get it. It's kind of ridiculous that they can't. Um, and with that kind of opportunity, I just didn't feel like I could pass it up. Yeah, definitely so. Um, and so let's talk about the communication side of things. Um, so that, that's what you had been doing, uh, before, but then the, the grant writing is, um, I don't know, as somebody who has been a writer for a, a long time, grant writing always seemed like this mystical, scary, um, other form of, of writing that was always kind of intimidating. Um, but as, as you get, get in and, and as I understand it, you had to be the one to do a lot of the writing and, and gathering stuff together for those grants. Is that correct? What, yep. what were some of the things that you, that you learned, um, when you had to shift gears and do some of that grant writing? Um, I think we talked about this at dinner one night in Anchorage. I, my, my first, uh, first metaphor for grant writing would be, it's like, uh, investigative journalism and doing your taxes. Uh, so if you've been a reporter and you've had to research a story, um, and you've had to really research it. Like if you're going to, you know, try to figure out the, you know, the inner workings of some, uh, local law or something like that, or some sort of corporate espionage, then you've got to, you've got to immerse yourself in the whole, how the whole system works. That's a little bit what like 
grant writing is. You've got to read these ridiculous rules and kind of cut through to the heart of what it means. And then you don't have to provide any narrative or emotion, but if you do, and you can kind of see through to the heart of what you're offering, because it's generally for a public good, you're just going to have that little bit of shine on your application um, that other folks are not going to be able to bring when it's just being prepared by an engineering firm um, or the engineering department. You know, the engineering department is great, but they they look at things a little bit differently. In fact, the, the I would say the best thing is you you need a partner like the engineering department, or you need an engineering consultant um, to make the best kind of application because you need to have both the technical side and a little bit of the narrative side. Um, what the what I've found is that you have to like that reading between the lines. You have to know what the uh, grant makers are wanting, which is not always what exactly what you're wanting to do with your project. They have a certain set of goals that they're trying to pass on to the legislature that they're trying to enact based on other things like that. And you have your own departmental goals. You've got to figure out a way to um, make the case that you're, you're, you're serving them as well as you're serving your own needs. That makes sense. Okay, so those are some of the the tips there, um, and and you had some success with those. Um, sometimes you can uh, you learn from the grants that you don't get. So, what are some of the things that that you learned along the way from maybe some of the grants that that you you weren't fortunate to to receive? If we can yeah. talk about a, a painful topic here, <laughs> no, not painful at all. I mean, that's that's how you learn. I I've been lucky that most of the grants I've applied for, I've received. Um, but a couple that we, I applied for two of them twice that I thought were no brainers and both times we came up so short and it's again that, um, what I applied for was not at all what, and what was advertised was not at all what the funders wanted. So we applied for the defense community infrastructure program, the DCIP. It's a federal program. They give out a lot of money to improve infrastructure serving, uh, local military bases. We have a strange island in Jefferson County, which is an ammunition depot, including like depleted uranium and stuff like that, that they, uh, and, uh, uh, defense destroyers and even small aircraft carriers pull in and they load them up with all the weapons and then they go out. Um, interesting. So, and there's not a lot of folks on that base, but there are a number and they are on one of our worst feeders. So they're always going out um, of power and they've got giant diesel generators to back them up. Um, so it's not really a big deal or they'll just do the power off the ship, but they've been wanting to reduce their carbon footprint. They invested in cleaner generators. They want to have more secure, firm power from us. Um, and we wanted to upgrade the feeder and the substation that's serving them. Um, so we put in an application for $2 million to add another bay to our substation and that we would match it with, uh, in, uh, putting in a new feeder out to the Island. Um, we were ranked right about at the bottom of applications and everything that, that got funded was, uh, a daycare center, uh, a park, uh, all of these things that did not sound like, uh, infrastructure programs, but they were one of the, at the last minute, one of the high up admirals had put in that he wanted it to improve quality of life, um, for the bases. So that became the highest point total. And 
we didn't have a huge number of people there. We were more like about reducing carbon and having um, more reliable, more resilient power. So we just sure. didn't even come close. And we were kind of miffed. I was miffed because I put a lot of energy into it. You sure. know, that wasn't even what I thought I applied for. So I met with the base again. We applied the next year. They assured me this time it's really for hard infrastructure. Let's do it. And then when I was refreshing our same application, I realized Oh, what we really should be doing is we should be applying, we should be asking for funding to put in the new feeder. That's what they really need. The second bay and the substation for us is great, but it is not as essential towards keeping them reliable. And it was too late. I didn't have enough time to change it up. But again, it was just trying to get at the heart of the matter. What is really important to them? Um, and again, we did not get the money, but it was it was an interesting process and it was interesting to go through the motions. Federal grants are really difficult, um, much more difficult than your local state grants. Um, so I would advise folks to look at being part of their state grants first, looking on a smaller scale, and then also to go into it with a little bit of a different mindset because it's not just a sales pitch. It's not just uh, telling the story. You have to create a business plan. Um, you really have to figure out how much money you need. What are you going to do with that money? Um, what the money is going to be for? How does it meet the rules? All of these things. How does it engage with your procurement manual? And as the communications person, that might not be your role in it. But if you're going to be heading those things up, you have to know a little bit about that. And um, in the early 2000s, I started a couple of businesses and I did those business plans. I hated math growing up, but I love spreadsheets so it's always, it's a little bit of, it's fun for me because it's, it's, it's a creative act to kind of move those uh, columns around, move those rows around, and you're creating something in real life. You may be creating something more impactful in real life than you've ever created, uh, writing a short story or writing a really, uh, you know, that's, that's the, the fun part about the, uh, about spreadsheets, or that's my take on it. Yep. Yeah. So a couple of things to unpack there. Um, first one, I think will be a, a quicker one and then we can get into where, how you get started. But you talked about refreshing a grant application when, when you're doing these. And, and obviously there's not much I don't imagine that carries over from a DCIP grant strictly on the electric side to, you know, broadband for different community. But how much of these uh, this grant writing, how much are you able to kind of borrow or, or move over how much are you just refreshing kind of what you had had done before with some more specifics and how much is just um you know blank paper start from scratch um on the grant writing is there much carryover between grants where, where you're able to use some of the same content well i'll say i'll say that again the you're going to be more successful if you've done strategic plans if you have done department planning all of those things where you have material to draw on so you're not creating everything from scratch because oftentimes you the the grant is announced and then you have a month two months to get it done and if you're making it all up as you go along your case is going to be weaker versus if you've done the work ahead of time for Jefferson County PUD and our broadband grants, we spent two and a half years on strategic planning. Um, two and a half years in which we we had some bitter fights internally about, you know, what we were going to do and what what mattered to us and and how how important it was to our customers. But in the process, we did a lot of the groundwork. 
Um, we had already had uh, low income rates. We had programs for in our, in our community for digital equity. We had formed a local community, uh, what's called a broadband action team in the process of doing those strategic plans. And it turns out in those early grant applications from the state of Washington for broadband funding, they wanted you to have all those things. And we had them all. And uh, nice. that gave us an advantage. We didn't, we didn't, have all those things because um, we knew that they were going to be necessary. They were just byproducts of having gone through the process. Um, you know, and, and moving into the broadband sphere, sphere is a community process. You're serving your community. You're growing your utility business. So it it it's hard work to do, but engaging that that broader utility or broader community is so essential. And that's really work that the um, communications department can shine in. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and, and that answer leads to a couple more questions, but I'm going to stick to the one from, from earlier. So um, where do you, where do you start? You know, let's say tomorrow you hear about a new grant um, that's out there that you think might be a good fit. Um, and you have, um, you know, you, like you said, a month or two to apply for it. Where do you start? I mean, I guess the first step, you're kind of evaluating whether or not you're going to apply for it. But then after that, um, you know, do you, do you start pulling a team together? Is it you that just starts writing? I mean, where, how do you even start? Yeah, at this point, I'm the project manager. We've been lucky that we've got a consulting firm that we've worked through that does um, a lot of the number crunching because they've been in this game for over 20 years and they've helped lots of utilities apply for grants. So we designate an area, they crunch the numbers, they do the preliminary engineering, they spit that out, they give it back to me. And then I start pulling in all the supporting information and then punching the numbers into the format that the state agency or the federal agency wants to do the um, application. Um, but the, the big thing that I would say is, um, you got to know your odds um, of getting that grant. Um, in the last round, we just applied for an $18 million reconnect grant. We were prepping an application last, I started this work in uh, the fall of 2021 to prepare for reconnect three, which was in February, March timeframe. Um, we didn't make it. We were just too busy. I was overwhelmed. I couldn't get that in time. We put that one on hold to, to go to the next round. Um, and, and I'm glad we did for a couple reasons. If we had gone for reconnect three, we would have gone for a hundred percent grant. When I saw the areas that were awarded the hundred percent grant one, there wasn't a lot of them Two, they were so remote and isolated. We would never have competed. We did not have the poverty levels. We we're, we're considered distress, a distressed County in our state. Um, but compared to areas of rural Alaska, rural Arizona, and rural Mississippi, we are, you know, we might as well be a wealthy urban area. Um, so we would not have, we would not have won that. And that would have been a ton of work because those are huge grants, I'm sure. uh, a huge application. So what we did is we actually, we talked, uh, uh, we talked it through and we decided to go for a grant loan combination, 50, 50 grant loan. Um, because, it's months of work to prep everything, put it together. We want to have a better shot of winning. Now, a loan is not obviously as good as having um, grant, um, but if you can't get a grant at all because you can't be competitive, um, but you can be competitive if you're in this category, then I would go for it. 
you know, and the same with like with the state grants, um, uh, if it's a $30 million pot of money total that they have to give out, don't put it in a $20 million application. Don't do it unless you are really, you really have your game worked out and you know that you meet everything to a T and you probably know the, the funders and you know, you've got the inside track. Most sure. like you're just not going to get it, especially if you've never gotten a grant before. Um, put in something smaller, um, keep your scope, uh, uh, uh more manageable. And, you know, we did that the for one of our grants uh, where I was wanting to be very careful. We put in a million-dollar application, and then one of our neighboring uh, PUDs got $20 bucks. And I was like, damn, <laughs> we should have been more aggressive. But right. the, next, the next grant that came available, I went for $12 million and we got it. So it was a good lesson. But I, the main thing is I wanted to get the money. I wanted to, to put in all the work and get, you know, and have it pay off. Um, because it's so discouraging to put in all that work and a lot of t- staff time and maybe mm-hmm. consulting time and then not get it. So be very careful with your scope and read the rules really carefully because so many folks, no matter how compelling of a case, no matter how many unserved or low income people you're going to help out, if you miss a couple of things uh, like not notifying the existing local ISPs or not having um, – your audited financial statements turned in just little details like that. I mean, those are pretty big ones, but there's some little details. If you just miss those, you're out of the running. So that's where that, um, you know, approach to looking at it like a tax return comes in handy. I was about to say, you said investigative reporting and filling out tax returns and, and sounds like both are, are equally important. Um, in, in closing here, last thing that I'll ask you, um, uh, that may have been the third or fourth time that I said last question. But this is this is a real last question. Um, what advice do you have for somebody like me who has, uh, you know, who has seen grants out there and just said, um, you know, oh, grant writing is too hard. You have to be a special, you know, grant writing person. Uh, you have to have experience to do that. What advice would you have for, for somebody who may be looking at it and thinking, hey, there's a grant out there that would really help my community, but I just I just don't know what to do. Uh, I would say get a coalition together and be, be part of a team to do it. Uh, and, and don't be afraid. Um, you know, the, also I would say, uh, don't apply for it. If it doesn't get your coalition together, read everything, get yourself a draft plan or a draft, uh, um, scope of work for how you're going to address it. But if it looks like it's not going to really work out or if what you need is not what the grant organization really wants to fund, don't do it. Um, it's a lot of work. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of work for something to, if, you're not, if it's a low shot of actually getting it. So you, you're, you would be just as wise to not apply for things as you are to uh, apply for it. So don't be scared, but do be selective. Sounds like what I hear. I like that. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Perfect. Thanks for for putting those communication skills to work and summarizing that uh, eloquently. Perfect. He is Will O'Donnell. Um, He's uh, with the Jefferson PUD up there in Washington. Uh, Will, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks, Andy. I'm Andy Johns, your host with Pioneer. And until we talk again, keep telling your story. Story Connect is produced by Pioneer Utility Resources, a communications cooperative that is built to share your story. Story Connect is engineered by Lucas Smith of Lucky Sound Studio.